In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is The Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's Jesse Temple. Well, this is going to be our spring wrap-up episode. We've got a great interview coming up with the Chanel brothers. We had an opportunity to chat with them for about 15 minutes uh, together and got some good off-the-field stories and also them meeting on the field as well. That's coming up later. Also, unfortunately for us, there was a potential that we were going get, to get to see all three practices this week. We only got to see one uh, as Wisconsin wrapped up their 15 practices this spring. We were told that there wasn't much to see Thursday or Friday. Either way, so we, we've seen all we were going to see and we're now going to wrap up spring. We'll get to, to all that. But a couple of news items first to get to, Jesse. The first being Malik Reed, the linebacker out of Arizona, redshirt freshman, didn't see the field last year, is gone. He has decided, to, or not gone yet, uh, has entered the transfer portal, as you've confirmed with UW. Now, inside linebacker is a rather stacked position right now for Wisconsin, and they've got a couple of more guys coming in this fall. But a little bit of surprise there to – jump out of that competition so early? I am surprised only because we never got an opportunity to see him and he had four years of eligibility remaining. And But I, I, having said that, he's from Arizona. This could potentially give him an opportunity to be closer to home. And he didn't play at all last season. We didn't see him in spring practice. You know, I remember doing a story on him when he was a commit to Wisconsin before he signed. He was a member of that 2020 recruiting class. And in the story, it referenced that uh, Oregon reached out to him the night before signing day and was still pursuing him heavily. And there were a lot of West Coast schools that were interested in him. So um, I, I just thought that was really interesting that obviously he stuck with Wisconsin after he had committed. But I think he's going to have plenty of opportunities potentially at a West Coast school. If you look at the depth chart, I think it's understandable why Malik would have made this move. He came in in the same class as Jordan Turner and Jordan got a lot of reps that we saw, especially with the second team during spring practice. But in this 2021 class, there are at least three inside linebackers coming in and potentially four. Jake Cheney is one who was already on campus as an early enrollee. Brian Sanborn and Jake Ratzlaff is a tremendous player from Minnesota. And the other wild card here is Braylon Allen, which, uh, could be a safety, but with his body type, could be an inside linebacker and has mentioned that Wisconsin is interested in him at the position, could be a hybrid as well. So that's a lot of guys that you have to compete with. Um, but ultimately, if if you want to be closer to home and you're from Arizona, uh, there's a lot of opportunities out West. And there were quite a few bodies in front of him, as you mentioned, and, and more potentially coming in. So I guess it's not a huge surprise. I thought that there was potential for him to to make an impact. Uh, his, his high school film was impressive, and but hey, it's not for everybody, and I'm sure this last year has been extremely difficult on everybody, especially guys that are away from home for the first time, and uh, especially so far from home like he is. But uh, So good luck to him moving on. The other uh, transfer news, and we'll see if it X ends up being good news for Wisconsin, is that they're in the market for a running back. I mean, we've known that. They were in on Marquis Step who was the USC transfer that ended up going to Nebraska. Now they're reportedly in on Chaz Malusi, the running back from Clemson, who entered the transfer portal. 427 yards in two years as a backup. Had six touchdowns, averaged six yards per carry. 
was a four-star recruit coming out of high school, had a lot of the big teams after him, ended up at Clemson. But now he's in the portal, and uh, according to 24-7 Sports and Rivals, Wisconsin is at the top of his list, though he's gotten interest from a number of different schools. And I think this would be a really important pickup for Wisconsin, just given what we've seen at the position in the spring and the uncertainty surrounding some of these guys. Jalen Berger, we know quite likely the number one guy, certainly in position to take a big step forward, especially based on what running backs coach Gary Brown said about him. But the other two guys that are on scholarship for the spring, we just don't know how healthy they're going to be. Isaac Arendo and Julius Davis. Arendo has been battling that hamstring injury for quite some time. He tweaked it in practice and one of the ones that we saw and he didn't participate in any 11 on 11 team activities in the, the open practices after that. And Julius Davis has one career carry. Um, you know, they've got the three true freshmen coming in with Loyal Crawford, Jackson Aker, and Antoine Roberts. But if you could get an experienced tailback who could contribute in 2021, I think that would be huge for Wisconsin. And I know I mentioned this on our last show, but when I talked to John Settle, Basically, one of the reasons they went out and got three running backs was as an insurance policy because of the uncertainty surrounding injuries with Isaac and Julius. So I think, yes, it would be a good fit on both sides, but we'll have to see how that plays out. And I, I think I misspoke earlier when I was talking about Malik Reed and said Oregon pursued him. It was UCLA that actually was after him. And Malik's dad said that Chip Kelly put some pressure on to flip his commitment all, all the way up until like right before he signed. So it was UCLA and Arizona, and I'll be interested to see whether he winds up with a Pac-12 team. UCLA went after Deacon Hill as well. Yes, they did. A little late, like a year late. <laughs> well, let's see. Look, he, he's got some – it looks like he's got some nice speed. Wisconsin not necessarily uh, having that home run threat outside of Isaac Garendo that we've seen, and, and obviously Isaac hasn't been able to stay healthy, and we haven't seen – Julius Davis hasn't been able to stay healthy – you know, really since his junior year of high school for an extended period, um, or I should say was healthy for a, a long stretch during the season last year, just never really got any opportunities uh, with, with John Settle as his running backs coach. Hasn't necessarily made a great impression here on Gary Brown to this point, not being able to be on the field for pretty much uh, most of spring. So Chaz Malusi, we'll see. I feel like this they've got a better chance at him than they did with Step. We'll see if that ends up playing out, but it's a position that certainly they need at least some experience. His 427 yards, Jesse, more than the rest of the tailbacks on the roster combined. Yes, I mean, not surprising, considering that Jalen Berger, with his 60 carries in all of four games last season, has the most carries of any of the running backs. And John Chanel, fullback, is basically the, the second leading rusher on the, on the roster as it stands. Yeah, not great. Not great, especially at Wisconsin. Should never be a problem, but hey, uh, have an opportunity to get a guy that, Certainly had a lot of suitors coming out of high school in Ches Malusi. All right, moving on. Doing a little spring recap here. And I want to start with, uh, and we'll, we'll get into your two deep. I know you had to uh, submit that to the athletic. That's going to be running very, very soon. But we'll get a, a couple of the positions that uh, at least have position battles. We'll get, we'll get that from you in a little bit. But I wanted to start with this. Wisconsin's strongest position coming out of spring is what? Oof. Man, you're putting me on the spot there. The most impressive position no, was no. wide receiver. Strongest <laughs> position. Well, now I need to go through them real quick. <laughs> I, I want to go. I want to say it's the offensive line, <laughs> um, just because of the depth they have there and who could potentially play. So that's what stands out to me right away. 
Okay. But you could go, you could go with outside linebacker or cornerback. Cause we saw a lot of good things at those positions too. I just like the top of the inside linebacker group because, and obviously there's, there's a lot of inexperience there, but if you just look at the top two, those are two of your better players on the team in Leo oh, Chanel, sure. Chanel and Jack Sanborn. If they stay healthy, I think that's the best position because as Bob Bostead said, and I, even though it kind of makes me cringe a little bit, he's going to play those guys until he can't play them anymore. So to me, that would be the strongest position, but group wise, like overall position that there's a lot of inexperience there. So the offensive line would make sense, but so would cornerback. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's a tough uh, decision, but I'm going to make a uh, take one anyways. Which what, what's going to be strong position coming out of spring is. The th- I'm going to stick with the offensive line. The thing is, of all the positions that we watch, the offensive line, I-, I can readily admit this, is the most difficult to understand, to actually see what it is that they're doing, who's doing well, because you just don't know. It's so easy to see that a wide receiver caught a 70-yard touchdown pass or that a, a cornerback picked off a pass or played really good coverage. It's really difficult, especially from where we're sitting, but even if we had a, a front-row seat, to know who's playing well. Um I mean, I'll re- certainly rely on Joe Rudolph, but I just look at the overall talent and the fact that you've got four guys on the line potentially who have started multiple games. And when you asked the question, I thought more of overall depth. Certainly, I don't disagree with you at inside linebacker. Jack and Leo played more snaps than anybody else on the defense last season, understandably so. And you would expect that to be the case again this year. But just from an overall top to bottom depth perspective, I- I'm sticking with the offensive line because they got guys playing and that doesn't even include the list of the, for the most part, four and five-star players, at least as it stands now, but the cornerbacks, they had some very impressive moments. Alexander Smith and Dean Ingram really stood out and established themselves as guys who should be featured in the rotation. And they still have fan Hicks and Caesar Williams guys who have started dozens of games. So they've got some good position groups in terms of depth, but it's the ones that like running back that don't, that really sort of make you worry if you're a Badgers fan. Well, and that goes into the next question. And it's pretty clear what the position is. Wisconsin's weakest position coming out of spring. Yeah, no question running back. It's when your only healthy running back is a non-scholarship player and Brady Shipper, and then he suffers a left leg injury. And the only players left are two fullbacks and Jacob Hayroth, who's a walk-on that was re-added to the roster just to fill a spot. And it was getting carries. You got problems. And he got dinged up on Tuesday in that practice, which I guess not a huge surprise. Uh, they were forced at times to go with Jack Dunn back there. I don't think, and I'm, I'm willing to say that because I don't think it's going to be something that they're going to use in the season. Like I feel if like it was something they're going to use in the season, maybe I wouldn't say it, but I think it was just purely out of not having anybody else to put back there. Didn't look horrible. Didn't look horrible. But I also don't think that that is a long-term solution. And I would put him probably seventh on the, on the potential running backs this fall list. And maybe that's a little bit too high. So Either you're way, saying he's in the top 10 is what you're saying. He's, he's in the top 10 among potential running backs that they could put back there. Uh, outside of running back, what's the weakest position coming out of spring? Mm, another tough question. <laughs> um, I think it's fair to say kicker. All right, then. Isn't it? I mean, I... And- I I mean, uh, on, on two, in Tuesday's practice, and again, these were 
situations where, you know, they were doing it all spring. And I don't remember, I'm not totally sure how many practices we saw. Maybe was it four? Four or five. Four or five out of 15. So we missed a, a, a ton of stuff. And so taking little snippets of the spring is a little bit, is a little bit difficult. However, on, in Tuesday's practice, Jack Van Dyke missed a extra point and it wasn't particularly close. And then you have, you know, Colin Larsh, who we've he talked about improving his leg strength. And he had a 51 yarder that I think landed about at the goal line. So, and that, the, and th- those are very unfair things just to grab out because Jack Van Dyke also made the 51 yarder and uh, you know, and Colin hit a couple of uh, shorter kicks. So it's like, it goes in and out. It's not really fair, but if you're going to say, I'm not really sure what, what it's going to look like come fall, that would be a spot that I would be concerned about. I'm with you. I, I would say kicker as well. I'm trying to scan down the list of position groups and that's, that's the one that stands out other than running back because of the inconsistency and the, the inability to know exactly what you're going to get. And there's a reason that, that special teams coordinator, Chris Herring said that this competition is going to go into the fall. There were moments of, of greatness as you said, we saw Jack Van Dyke drill a 51-yarder. He's got the bigger leg. He can hit it from a lot longer than 50 from what we've seen, but you've got to have that level of consistency. And on the other side, Colin Larsh, you look at his career numbers the last couple of years, he's made 15 of 18 field goal attempts inside 40 yards, but he's only two of seven from 40 yards or more. And in each season that he has been the, the regular kicker, they've brought on somebody else to attempt a long-range kick. In 2019, Zach Hintz attempted three field goals, and he made that school record 62-yarder against Purdue. Last year in the bowl game against Wake Forest, Wisconsin brought Van Dyke out there for a 48-yard field goal that was blocked. So Herring said that his goal would be to have one guy handle all the kicks. The question is, who, who will that guy be? And that's a competition that – that might be the only competition right now that you could say is appears to be wide open that going into fall camp, for a starting role at least, um, you don't necessarily know who it's going to be. Correct. And I think there are several positions that – if a, a guy goes down, it could all of a sudden become a weak spot. Again, they've had a lot of tight ends, then highly recruited tight ends they brought in in the last few years, but they're inexperienced. Jake Ferguson missed uh, the last few practices of spring. If he were to go down for an extended period, that would be a concern, right? Um, you know what I mean? Like if, if that were, if they were to go out, that'd be, that'd be a big concern. Or if Matt Henningsen went out along the defensive line again, you know, last year they had Isaiah, Isaiah Loudermilk and Garrett Rand fill in. And right now, you know, if, if Matt went down, I think Rodas Johnson had a good spring and Isaiah Mullins missed a few practices toward the end of spring. But, you know, he had some experience last year. But I wouldn't be extremely comfortable at that position either if, if a couple of the, if some of the higher level guys go down. Yes, I don't disagree. I, I think, I'm, you know, the way we're discussing this primarily is who they have available, assuming everyone's healthy. And if right. you've got problems when everyone's healthy, then that's, that's not ideal. But yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. Defensive line is an area that they obviously tried to address in the transfer portal by adding Isaac Towns in the Oregon transfer, but you're right. It's Matt Henningsen who's got the most starting experience. And then a bunch of guys that have either played a little or not at all. Isaiah Mullins played a hundred plus snaps last season. And after that, there's hardly any experience. And they even moved, Ben Barton over to the defensive line this spring, somebody who came in with the five offensive linemen in the the last recruiting class um, that they flipped over to the defensive line. So they're always trying to find players there 
But uh, yeah, I think that's certainly a position to watch. But I also think there was some good growth there. The, the way Rodas Johnson played and what Gio Pias was able to do because he got a lot of reps at nose guard since Keanu Benton was limited and, and Bryson Williams was hurt. I think there's talent there, but yeah, there's still some question marks. Yeah, for sure. All right. Next question. The guy that impressed you the most this sprint, the single guy that most impressed you. I'm going with Devin Chandler because he made the most wow plays. The ones that you went, holy crap, that's kind of a different burst or a different gear. And I know we acknowledged this before, but that doesn't mean I think he's going to go out next season and be the team's leading wide receiver because we've seen this way too many times just because you do something great in spring like Aaron Crookshank doesn't mean you're going to get a ton of snaps. And I don't know how many there are going to be had for the number five or number six guy, but he's got a different gear. And the, the one, there are two plays, really. The one, he caught a 69-yard touchdown pass from Chase Wolf, and he showed his speed because he caught up to that ball. Probably a lot of other wide receivers, it would have been overthrown. And then the one where last week he wrapped around, was it Alexander Smith's helmet? To yes. catch the pass in front of him for a 40 plus yard gain. And the whole team kind of went, ooh. And he was screaming as he ran down the field. Um, I thought those, I thought those two plays were tremendous from a guy that had some opportunities late last season, but really flashed this spring. This is probably an unfair one. And maybe the word disappointed isn't the right word to use, but the guy that you kind of were expecting more of this spring. And again, it's a very small sample size or a very small number of practices that we actually got to see. But is there anyone that stood out to you in that respect? For me, this is all about who wasn't able to perform. This isn't, it, it's not like you watch spring practice and go, Oh, this guy looks out of shape or this guy's getting burned or something like that. It's this was supposed to be an important spring for somebody and we didn't see him. And he's, there's a potential that he could get passed up. And I think there's some names that emerge, but it's Julius Davis is one that stands out because and I've talked about this before, when you've got three freshmen coming in and when you've got John Settle, obviously no longer the running backs coach here, but the way he talked about Antoine Roberts, he was so excited to get him and felt like he was further ahead than Loyal Crawford and Jackson Aker. If one of those freshmen comes in and gets reps, then I think it's difficult for someone like Julius potentially to get back in there when Jalen Berger could be the number one who's, you know, still got four years of eligibility remaining. And Julius just hasn't been healthy enough. And that doesn't mean that he can't still be an important player, but we never got to see him. And I still have never seen him as far as I know, because we, there was no spring practice last year. And obviously we didn't have a, a chance to watch anything in fall. And when he was a true freshman, he had the core surgery. So kind of a mystery. Yes. There's, there is no doubt about that. I think a lot of people were expecting Logan Brown Yes. To step into that left tackle spot. And they didn't do that. They, they went with Tyler Beach at left tackle. And, you know, Logan missed a few practices, did not practice on Tuesday. I don't know exactly how many practices he missed, but he, he sat out another practice that, we, that was open to the media with an illness. So I think that, but again, he dealt with injuries too, right? Like it's, it's, it's not fair just to, to, to call it out. And I still think he's got a, a, a bright future, but it's kind of following the, Josh Oglesby tracked to playing time at this point. Would you agree? I don't know. I don't, obviously that was a little bit, he was, Oglesby was here when your, your first year, right? Like that was his yep, senior that's right. year. He was an all big 10. Yeah. He was all big 10 at right tackle. That was, yeah, that was his last year, 2011. Right. Um, he was the, he, he was the five-star guy that came in and everyone expected him to play right away. And he had some injury issues and, you know, it didn't get on the field until a little bit later in his career. Hopefully, hopefully, 
Logan Brown does not have the same injury issues that Josh did. I think if Josh had been able to, you know, not have the the knee injuries, he was a NFL type of player, but just couldn't, you know, the knees just wore down. But hopefully that doesn't happen for Logan. But I, I think there were some expectation that he would all of a sudden, you know, step in, you know, after getting the playing time he did in the bowl game. And it that just hasn't come to fruition. That's right. not to say that's not to say though that it can't be something different by the fall because we know that Joe Rudolph likes to move guys around and it's potential that Tyler Beach may not be at left tackle come fall and they could switch some things around to try and get the best five on the field. I think if you were to ask fans or, or potentially listen potentially listeners of this show who what name would have been most disappointing when they saw what the two deep could be, it, it would have to be Logan Brown. But that's all about expectations coming out of high school and they're understandably high because he's the first five-star signee since Josh Oglesby. Wisconsin went 12 years without getting one. And then Logan came on and you think that somebody of that level should contribute right away, but he did have the injuries the first year. And I still think it's going to happen for him. This isn't really the worst situation in the world that they put Tyler beach there. He's a fifth year player. Now you've got two very experienced and talented tackles. And I think part of this also has to do with how Rudolph feels about Jack Nelson at right guard. But when Rudolph was talking about Logan, he said there are some things that make you go, wow, holy crap. And then the problem is that there are still moments where, and this is what Rudolph said, quote, an inconsistency of play that you just can't afford to have, end quote. I thought that was a pretty telling comment that that Rudolph would put that out there. Um, So there's a lot of potential, but it all comes down to consistency as an offensive lineman, as would a lot of other positions. But when the details are so important that, that one misstep can ruin a play, you've got to be able to rely on people playing and play out. And so I, I still think he's going to get snaps this season, even if he doesn't start and he can be positioned for a multi-year starter at tackle. And there's going to be a lot of guys in the, the last few recruiting classes that could all be playing together that are four and five-star guys. Are you higher or lower on this team coming out of spring than you were going in? Uh, I think I'm higher. Um, just because of some of the playmakers that we saw, knowing that they seem to have more depth of talent at wide receiver, which has not always been the case. And this is assuming that everybody's healthy. I thought Graham looked very good. Graham Mertz during practices that there were still some moments where he had overthrows or an interception here or there, but he just looked like he, he had the accuracy that we've seen before. And defensively, they've got a lot of starters back and the same offensively. So I think I'm higher on this Wisconsin team and what the potential is, assuming everybody is is available this season. Okay, let's get to the two deep that I promised earlier. And I only wanted a, a couple of positions. Let's start yeah. at offensive line. Where did you go with that? Well, I think it's pretty easy to take what Joe Rudolph said at his word. And because we saw it the whole spring, he went with the same first team unit, basically all of practice. He never really rotated. And so the, the first team is what we saw and what he said. Tyler Beach at left tackle, which is a change from when we discussed this after the season, right? Because he was he was on the right side. Josh Seltzner still at left guard. He's played in 32 games. He has seven starts. Caden Lyles is the center. I think Jack Nelson is, at least as of now, going to be the right guard. I, I'm, you know, again, that could have been an experiment, but man, he's just... He's so talented and he's so versatile. And then Logan Bress at right tackle. So that of all the positions was the one that was most interesting to see how it played out and to hear Rudolph talk about because it just wasn't what we expected going into the spring. And for the backups, again, a lot of what we saw. So left tackle, Logan Brown. 
And there were some other tackle candidates. I'm very interested to see how quickly Nolan Rucci can pick things up. And traditionally, offensive linemen do tend to to sit a year or, or at least not play very much. But Brown at left tackle, Cormac Sampson at left guard, whom Rudy moved from center. And then they had Tanner Bordellini as the backup center, but he was also playing some different spots. Michael Furtney is the right guard, and then Trey Wedig at the right tackle. So... There's some names that that people have been hearing about for quite a while, and there are plenty of other candidates. We saw Joe Tipman get in there. He, he'd been dealing with an injury, and he snapped during some skeleton drills. I think he could potentially be a center or a backup guard. Maybe you move Cormac Sampson back to backup center role and have Tim, Tipman compete for a spot in the 2D pit guard. There's a lot of candidates there and a lot of talent. There definitely is. Uh, the other spot, obviously Jake Ferguson is the number one tight end. What do the other spots look like? Because uh, obviously, you know, Hayden Rucci and Clay Cundiff, a little bit more of your, your blocking tight ends, and Eschenbach, your move tight end, along with Ferguson. Yeah, that's what I think it looks like. Eschenbach is going to be a, a critical piece to the offense this year, I think. He's the only other tight end on the roster with any catches, and he's got two. But we, I think there were some good moments during the spring from him, just his, his pass-catching ability. It's a little different from some of the other guys. Hayden Rucci's going to play a ton, but he's primarily used as a blocker. He caught a handful of passes in the spring. That's not why he's out there. Um, the majority of his snaps last season came with him as a run blocker. I thought Clay Cundiff did some really good things. He's a big dude, two, 250 pounds or so, but he can move and he can catch passes in traffic. So those are, those are the four, along with Jake Ferguson, that stand out from what we saw. But Jalen Franklin is the other name to watch. I feel like there's a reason why Wisconsin made him available to reporters in the tight end session when we got to Zoom with the players. Um, yes, he's a, a, an older player now. He's entering his fourth season in the program, but we hadn't even really seen him, and they made him available. And so th- there's a lot of hope for what he can do because Paul Chris said even before last season that he brought something different to the tight end room when they moved him from outside linebacker. I'm interested to see what his development look like, looks like, but they're, I think they're much better positioned at that spot than they were last year when there really weren't a ton of options um, outside of Jake Ferguson. Do we need to run down the wide receivers? Well, my two deep still has Jack Dunn in it and I know fans can groan, but I think there's something to be said for the coaches knowing what they're going to get out of a player. And some, one of these other guys is going to have to take that spot, but they can use multiple guys. It's, it's, it's Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor and Chimray DK are your top three. And then potentially, some of these other guys like an AJ Abbott or a Devin Chandler and then Jack Dunn in there as well. Those are the ones that are at the top, but again, you want to see who, what, what freshman can come in. I think Marcus Allen is that guy. He, he was previously committed to Michigan. He flipped to Wisconsin, had a monster senior season, made a ton of big plays, big plays like in the final minute of the game that won games multiple times. I think he could be a, a big deep threat as a true freshman. Yeah. And uh, again, they play, they can play three or sometimes four wide receivers at a time, but it's not going to be a ton. No, a ton of that. I, I do wonder who ends up being the the top slot guy. I think you know it was going to be Kendrick Pryor last year. You know, in the games that he played in, he got enough work there. Who is it though? Do you, do you think that they move the, that they go that way, or is it uh, somebody else? I just I I just feel like he is a a better fit there with Danny and then Chimray on the outside, and then obviously Jack Dunn certainly is a better fit inside too. That's what makes the most sense to me. 
you want to get your best playmakers on the field as often as you can. And if you've got a three receiver set that includes Davis, Pryor, and DK, that's pretty darn good. So why not be as dynamic as you possibly can? But I do think that they're going to have the potential to explore a handful of more options, which is a good thing for Wisconsin because that hasn't always been the case at receiver. The the two deep on the defensive side, outside linebacker, we, we kind of know the top two, but there's there's battles behind Noah Burks and Nick Herbig. Yeah, for me, I'm going with CJ Getz and Aaron Witt based on what people have said, based on what we saw. Now, Witt got hurt in the middle of practice and had a boot on, was using one of those scooters, but they're very high on him. Uh, obviously, we, we know what Bobby April said about him, that he, he ticks different, brings a different dynamic, and Getz got some, some good playing time last season. Those are the two that, that stand out, but Spencer Lytle is another name to watch because when we talked to April, he said that he was looking for three guys to step up this spring, Getz, Witt, and Lytle, and they all had done so. Now, if you're looking for another name that may be disappointing, mostly in the sense that we didn't get to see him, Isaiah Green May, fifth-year junior now, or fifth year in the program, however you want to classify the, the eligibility at this point. But two years ago was one of the stars of, of practice. He and Reggie Pearson, and they became starters, and he got hurt, suffered a thumb injury in the first game in the 2019 season. We really haven't seen him in that capacity since. And so I, I don't know exactly what, what his career is going to look like from here on out. But for me, right now, I'm going with Getz and Witt. Who are your backups at inside linebacker? Is it going to be – I mean, I, it feels like it's going to be Mascalunas and Muma. Yeah, that's who I've got. Same Warner Chanel we know. Mascalunas is a six-year senior, and, and Muma is, is emerged, I think, this spring. He had – he, he's pretty explosive and physical, and there were some, some plays. Again, defenders can't actually record sacks because you can't tackle the quarterback, but you can tell when they were going to sack the quarterback and everybody's yelling sack and the, the play should be dead. And he had a lot of those moments. The other guy who's competing for time is Tatum Grass. It's really a kind of a three-man competition for those backup spots, at least at this point. And then you've got the three freshmen coming in and Jordan Turner, who's a second-year player. But I, I feel like the... The backup spots at inside linebacker are more uh, recognizable at this point than they were last year. For sure. And then at, at, at corner, I, I think there's a, probably a lot of unknown there behind Fayon Hicks and Caesar Williams, who we expect to be, you know, the top two outside corners. Then Fayon moving into the slot when they go nickel, uh, which they do a ton, obviously. Who's that third corner? Who's going to be the guy that's outside? We saw them rotate a ton of guys, uh, new quarterbacks coach, Hank Poteet, kind of doing the same thing that Jim Leonard did. Who's going to be the guy and, and for you, do you think? I'm inclined to go with Alexander Smith, but it's really Smith and Dean Ingram were the two standouts at cornerback. One, because they got a lot of opportunity, but two, because they seemed to take advantage of them. We saw an outstanding pick that Ingram had last week in, in practice maybe the defensive play of the open practices that we had. He laid out for it, came back for it, picked it off. Um, just a difference-making play. And that's an area that the, the corners in the secondary as a whole has been trying to do more of. You look, and the cornerbacks have not had many picks. I don't think they had any interceptions last year. <laughs> um, I think they had two the year before. So that's an area that they want to get better at. But also, it's kind of tough to tell because Jerron Harrell, fifth-year player, we didn't see. He was on the sideline. Uh, Dante Burton could get run. Samar Melvin was out for a lot of practices and then came back and and certainly could get a lot of snaps. He started a couple of games late in the season as a true freshman. But 
it's I think it's between Smith and Ingram. And if I had to pick one, I would go Smith for now. I think both those guys are going to get opportunities because we, we know how many corners that Wisconsin likes to play. And Jim Leonard even said in that Duke's Mayo Bowl win against Wake Forest that he thought they played like eight cornerbacks and they all played well. I don't know if eight are going to play in every game, but they're going to have an opportunity to use a ton of guys. I wonder if whose decision that is in terms of not, not who's going to play, but how many different guys are going to play is we saw it in practice that they were certainly rotating, but does Hank Poteet settle in on three guys and just run those three guys every single time? Or does he take the Jim Leonard approach and use a whole bunch of different bodies? And does, does Leonard have a huge say in that? Well, that's a really good question. When we talked to Hank, he talked about how in the discussions more with him and Jim at this point are about scheme. And I, I mean, I think Jim will have a, you would think have some say in it here. It's his, it's his scheme, but I think it's going to be up the cornerbacks coach to decide maybe who he thinks is in best position. Like when they go to the nickel, who do you want in there? Who do you want as your top subs? I don't know. I'm really interested to see how that plays out. Cause this is the first time that we've seen this since, since Leonard has been the defensive coordinator because he was doing the safeties and the cornerbacks for every other year before this. There's also a, a battle at the backup safety spots, right? We, we know that Colin Wilder and Scott Nelson are going to be the starters, assume they're healthy. But we, this spring, we saw Travion Blaylock get hurt. You know, Titus Toller did not really take part in a lot of, in any, I don't think he took part in any of the practices we were there for. So those two are going to be there. You got Hunter Wohler coming in in the fall. Who's going to be the, the backups to, to Nelson and Wilder? Because we saw last year, uh, Leonard used three different guys. I would assume he would like to have three or four guys he could throw in there. I'm a little on the fence with this one because in my initial two deep, and I haven't sent it off yet, I have Travion Blaylock and Titus Toller, but you listen to the players talk and, and Leonard talk, and John Torchio, I think, really had a good spring. He's consistently around the ball. He had a handful of picks, and even Colin Wilder said that that's somebody who uh, you don't want to forget about in that two deep. He felt like he had a good spring, too, and so maybe it's Blaylock and Torchio. You know, you have to... You have to be available, which they talk about quite a bit, and that's very important. And we just don't know with, with Toller. Now, he played early last season. He got an interception late in that game against Illinois. I think he's got a lot more talent, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be in the two deep. Those are the guys who I think, at least as of now, are the candidates. I'm very interested to see what Hunter Roller looks like as a college player. Just an unbelievable high school athlete. He's a two-time Associated Press State Player of the Year and someone who could make an impact right away. But as of now, I think Blaylock and Torchio and Toller uh, are the guys. Tyler Mace is a veteran who's played, but I think those other three are the ones I'm looking at at this stage. And then yeah, no. what do they do with Braylon Allen? Right. I, at 240, he's not playing safe. Do they make him a hybrid? Do they just say you're an inside linebacker? I feel like with a talent like that, man, you just got to find the, the most opportunity you can to get him on the field. Yeah, I, again, I, I think he's an ins, I think he's an inside linebacker. It's a position that is clearly stacked at this point, at least this year. I, just, I, I don't think he's a safety at 240 in high school. And now, look, I mean, he's been obviously lifting the way that he does for quite some time, so maybe he's not going to add a ton more weight. But still at 240? I, and, and he looks really, really good running the ball, too. Uh, like, he's his, his offensive performance here this spring, and I know they're not playing – the, the highest level of competition, but he looked better on offense than maybe he has on defense. Uh, I think he leads the entire States in rushing or uh, in, in rushing touchdowns either way. Uh, 
he, he's, he, I don't think he's going to be a safety. I guess we'll see how that plays out. But Hunter Wooler certainly is the guy that I, I think could potentially come in and, and help them right away, if not on defense, but, you know, playing special teams and that type of thing, just because he is, he's a very, very good athlete. And I think Braylon Allen, Allen could help them on special teams, certainly uh, right away if, if uh, he's ready. Again, he's 17. He's 17. Yes. That is something to consider. He, he wouldn't have made the reclassification, which is what he told me. He wouldn't have reclassified it. He didn't think he was physically ready to do it. Still, though, 17 years old, that's asking an awful lot right away. And he's playing this spring season, but he's an incredible athlete. While we're on the safeties, I think it's worth mentioning Preston Zachman. I don't think he's quite there yet as a guy who's going to be a, a regular contributor because he just moved from inside linebacker. But he looked pretty smooth and natural playing this position. Uh, he played a lot of positions in high school, played in the secondary. Uh, I think he's got a bright future as a safety. Yeah. All right. Let's get to our interview with the Chanel brothers, Leo and John. Now, I'm, now that we recorded it, we already recorded it. And I feel stupid because obviously we were doing it video wise. And I didn't actually introduce them by name. So you're going to hear their voices and you're not going to know kind of which one is which, uh, at least to start this out. Uh, but I will say that the first voice that you hear the, off the first question is John. So here is our interview with the Chanel brothers. And we do welcome in a couple of special guests here on the camp. It is the Chanel brothers, Leo and John. Thanks for jumping on, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. I wanted to start off the field do I have this right that you guys are two of 16 children that your parents have? Uh, yeah. Yeah. My dad has 16 kids, so big family, <laughs> a lot going on in the house. <laughs> I, I, it's, is, is it also right that it is about 27 years difference between the oldest and the youngest? That sounds about right. Yeah. All right. I don't know how often you guys were all in the same household together, but just a size, a family that size, what's the best thing of that? And what's the worst thing? about having that many brothers and sisters? I would say, I would say the best thing, um, just from like a brother's standpoint, uh, just having all those brothers, especially, there's just like a competitiveness to the household. Um, I mean, most of the time, the competitiveness is like fighting and stuff. Uh, we get a little tougher from that, mentally, physically tougher from that. Um, just, just always pushing each other, always um, having someone to talk to. Um, we've got a lot of older brothers uh, we look up to, get advice from. Um, but I'd definitely say for me, that's the biggest thing. And, you know, uh, the girls in the house are probably a little smarter than us boys, too. So they give a little better advice sometimes. Uh, but, yeah, I'd say that's the best thing. Yeah. And uh, for me, yeah, the best thing is just, I mean, as as kids, we were never bored. Um, and I think that's really important um, as kids. You know, you're not sitting inside on your phone or by yourself a lot. It's always outdoor running, um, you know, playing tag, throwing rocks at each other. Uh, so we were always active. And I say the worst thing. Um, when you have, you know, that many people in the household at once, it's, you kind of, if you're going to focus on something, you kind of have to have that tunnel vision. And so I, it's still with me today. So like uh, my fiance will be talking to me or Leo will be talking to me and I'm doing something and I can't, I literally can't process it outside of what I'm doing. Completely so, zones out. Yeah. So I think that's the only downside to having that big family. You, you Even, mentioned, you mentioned, sorry, Jesse, you, you mentioned roughhousing and perhaps breaking some things when you're a little while you're roughhousing. What's uh, perhaps the most expensive thing that got broken in any of that roughhousing? Um, uh, I, I mean, a couple of TVs, ping pong tables, ping pong tables, recliners, uh, 
we broke a couple windows too. And yeah, my mom just said, no, stop, take it outside. I, I don't care after that. You can, you know, throw rub or mud and rocks and whatever. So doors, doors were a huge big thing too. Just, <laughs> if someone trying to run in and hide in like a bathroom or something, just, just a lot of testosterone with, you know, eight brothers in a house at once. So it, it wasn't always pretty. Yeah. And you mentioned throwing rocks a couple of times. I remember talking to, to you for a story a couple of years ago and Leo, you said you once threw a rock at John's head what happened that made you do that? And did you hit him? I, I just, yeah, of course I hit him. I don't miss it. No, but uh, I just remember, like, I don't remember what it was specifically. I remember the exact spot and exact, like, like situation, but like, I don't remember exactly why, but he just like makes me really angry. A lot of the times the stuff I mean, he says, I mean, if you don't remember why you did it, then was it really necessary to do it? I mean, anyways, I, I, I was running away and it was in the back of the head. I don't know. It was, yeah. He's like, he was trying to get away. And I just like, I, I'm like, I'm looking for something. And I just saw like a rock. It's like chucked it at his head. It was when we were really young though. I would, yeah. might not do it now. I Good know. times. Um, y- you've, the stories of how competitive you guys are, I feel like I've reached some legendary heights with the, the weightlifting and the next guy putting on two and a half pounds more on the racks. Are you still like that? Or have you mellowed a little bit with your old age in college and being more established? I mean, uh, part, of, part of that early on was like lifting, it's ego lifting a lot of it, you know, who can lift more, you know, want to be the king of the, the weight room, whatever. But I mean, at some point you got to realize like, what's healthy for me, what's not, what's going to help me. Um, so we, I think we toned down a little bit, but there's still, I mean, there's a really big advantage to having that competitive edge in the weight room. So, I mean, we still keep it up, but maybe not to the levels of adding unnecessary weight when we're not even lifting heavy that day. We're trying to, we're trying to trust the science a little bit more, not, not go like max out every single time we're lifting. We're just trying to listen to the coaches better this, this time around. Does that mean we're not going to get a video this off season of you putting up 40 on the bench. Again, oh, no, you'll, still get, you'll still get videos. Don't worry. It better be okay. more than 42. <laughs> I'm going to be posting anything. What, what is the goal? For 225? Yeah. I mean, that's not, that's not like a huge thing I'm like working towards, but I, I mean, always trying to get stronger. But uh, I would say 42 is the number that I want to – 41 is the linebacker combine record. So I'm aiming for that 42 at least, hopefully. <laughs> John, are you – aiming for a number there on 225 you kind of um, gave that I'm, up i'm working i'm not to those numbers yet obviously um i don't know i'd be happy with 40 uh yeah, but, yeah he's got to say one better than leo he's, he messed that one up 40 no i i mean that's that's a good big goal for me so um you know I'm, i haven't hit that yet so that's what i'm trying for what's the best part of having your brother around for each of you at wisconsin playing football and is what's the thing that maybe annoys you about being around him so much um it's the best. I mean, I'll start with the best thing, I guess. Uh, just be having someone, you know, you can trust and talk to about stuff, uh, my more personal stuff, which I mean, we're all pretty close here, but you know, an actual blood brother is something that not a lot of guys get the opportunity to have. Um, so just that level of trust and, you know, communication. And th- th- also that goes with the downside is like, he get like we get on each other more and more at like a personal level too. So it's not just, Oh, it's, Oh, do this on technique. It's like, what, what are you doing? Why, why'd you do that? Like, so we can like, you know, get on each other a little more. Um, that's just, I don't know. It's annoying, but it, it helps. And another thing is like, if you're having like a bad day and like all this like aggression or like something like piling up in you and practice, it's not like you can go like beat it up on some random guy. The coaches might yell at you. If you beat up on your brother, like they're like, okay, just let them, just let them do their thing. 
So I noticed that they like when I, when I go after John and hit him late after a play or something, the linemen don't care. Usually they're like stepping up and rushing in, but since it's my brother, like, ah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, John, what has this spring been like? Uh, are you now running back slash fullback? Plenty of time um, back there. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've kind of just jumped into like the mindset, like I'm going to do whatever coach needs me at this point. If it's a couple guys go down, I'll, I'll jump by running back happily. Um, and so, but it's actually really expanded my game. Um, just getting out of the backfield, catching balls, uh, learning to get lower with my pads, smoother through the holes. I mean, it's a lot of it translates to what I want to accomplish at fullback. And so I think that's just helped me grow as a player while also uh, just helping the team out where they need me. Do you think that's going to impact your ability to win the low man uh, award? Um, I, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I can't tell you that, but low man, I don't know. The trophy's not that great. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Leo, what about you for this, this spring? You've obviously had a couple years now you've transitioned from a, a role player to a starter. Were there certain things when you watched, your film last year that you felt like you wanted to get better at going into the next phase of your career here? For sure. I mean, there's always things that I know I can get better at. And if we didn't have things to get better at, there wouldn't, we wouldn't need a coach, but we all need to get better. Um, just it pass coverage for me is just a big deal. Just getting in more windows. Um, just being like, yeah, just being able to make more plays and just ha- ha- like continue to grow confidence in my game to be able to not just do my job, but to do, just make the big play really. So I, I feel like we skipped over a couple of things from before you, you got to Wisconsin. Um, I know John, you originally committed to North Dakota and you, you decommitted. What made you want to give this a shot at Wisconsin as a walk-on? Cause I yeah. think you, at that time, Leo had already committed, right? So you knew you were going to be able to play with your brother. Yeah. Um, and part of that, it, it took a lot for me, but, uh, most of it was really just betting on myself. Um, and that's anytime you're going to be a walk on is, do I trust myself this much? Am I going to put in this much effort? And so a lot of that was uh, just confidence in myself and uh, I'm going to be happier. I made that decision and uh, it just, it's really nothing else like it playing with your brother like that. Um, so I really um, don't regret anything as far as that goes. Did you feel a competitive drive to earn a scholarship knowing that Leo was offered one out of high school. Is that something that motivated? Yeah. You? I mean, he would always give me, give me crap about <laughs> that. Uh, uh, but I mean, and like all guys throughout the conference, Oh, your brother got a scholarship. I mean, that was just another, you know, another thing for me to build upon and uh, to fuel me to get to that level. So the first goal, you know, earn a scholarship next goal, uh, earn the starting role. So it's just one of those stepping stones that I needed to reach in order to uh, just expand my game and reach my potential. Which one of you was the better in your in your guys' mind? Which one of you was the better high school player? You know what you're doing. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I'll let him have the I'll let him have the offensive I, part. I'll I, take defense. Yeah, he was definitely definitely a better defender than me, um, and he was probably a smoother runner as well. It's just to, I mean, it helped me having him as a blocker when I was there. So he didn't have that, and he still did as well. So I'll, I mean, took a lot for that. So. I, I don't know. Can't really say. Tough question. With with all the injuries at running back, Leo, did you try and potentially try and get uh, move over to the other side of the ball? Maybe uh, 
get your running back back on? <laughs> How'd you know? I'm always I'm always harassing Coach Chris about it. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready. And he's always like, oh, okay, okay. I'm like, I'm serious. He's <laughs> like, every time I ask him, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It never happens. But I'm, I'm ready. Like, in all seriousness, if wherever they need me, you know, I'm ready. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I don't know. Play both ways. They man. said one 250-pound running back is enough. They don't need <laughs> This is Wisconsin, man. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, I mean. But we're looking maybe for opportunities in the future, like goal line, something like that. That'd be fun. But um, we're not pushing our luck. John, for people who don't know the story, you've probably told it, I'm sure, a million times by now. But about about the snake bite, well, I think it's sort of like quintessential tough guy story um, oh, yeah. and what you've been able to do since then. Can you share what happened and how uh, that has impacted yeah, you? Yeah, so it was, it was my right index finger right here. Um, I was We were down in Missouri, actually, it was with – and we were swimming a river, a lake. It was a river. Um, we were fishing. It was a hot day. So we jumped in the water. Um, then we heard something up on shore and we were just curious, like messing around. Oh, what's that? And we saw it was a snake. And Leo, Leo was like, hey, don't don't grab that. Don't grab that. And I was like, I, I, I got to grab it. Finally, he tells the story right. I was telling him not to grab it. Yeah, he was telling me not to grab it. And I was like, I have to. And and so I went I went and reached behind the neck. I thought I was like professional snake wrangler or something. And it just reached back and bit me. And it's... <laughs> downhill from there are you you afraid afraid of snakes no i'm not not afraid at all like i mean that's just the natural reaction some if you don't go playing with snakes that you've never seen yeah i mean (laughs) part of it part of it honestly was i forgot i wasn't in wisconsin like northern wisconsin and we don't have anything like that there it's all like garter snakes and pine snakes or whatever and so part of that was me just being ignorant of my surroundings and so it, it cost me a little bit it was burning pretty good being from where you guys are from in Grantsburg, way up north, coming south, coming to Madison, what's been the biggest adjustment for? I know you've been here for a while now, but what was the biggest adjustment for you going from from there to here? Um, I mean, it's obviously a lot more people, um, a lot of different kinds of people. Um, and that's just one thing, obviously, about being on a team is there's so many different kinds of people from all backgrounds and they all have a unique story. And so that's something that's really been nice is to hear everyone's perspective. And so just when you're in a big city, it's all different kinds of people or Grantsburg, it's, you know, um, just a similar type of country folk, but, uh, uh, but another, my, my least favorite thing is probably parking. Um, it's, it is (laughs) unbelievable. Like how many tickets and I've been towed. It's, that's probably the biggest thing in Madison is, parking here leo i mean definitely that parking is a oh man how many tickets i used used to be all speeding tickets now now it's just parking tickets i don't know what's happening there uh but yeah i would would definitely just say um that being able to listen and hear a lot of perspectives even on our football team just all these guys coming from like different places like in the country and like what he said is just like it's kind of a cool thing and just like meeting a lot of different new types of people. Um, it's pretty cool. This is a, a very important question. Maybe one of the most important of the whole interview, John, you've gotten a lot of running back carries this spring. This is a hypothetical situation. You take a carry, you run through the hole at full speed. Leo is waiting for you. Who wins that battle? Same question to you, Leo. Oh no, this, this one's bad. I need, I need, like, I mean, I need they, to say something. Yeah. I mean, they coach Chris like does like, I mean, we haven't had the opportunity to go full pads and everything, uh, but coach Chris in the recent years has done his best to put us one-on-one against each other a lot. And a lot of times, honestly, it's a standstill. So just right. And nobody, no ground given. I mean, sometimes he wins, sometimes I win. 
Um, honestly, it might, it might just be one of those situations where it's just like big thud loud and, and we're just right there. Kind of. He, he, uh, was it Tuesday? He ran, he ran me over on Tuesday though. That's, I thought he was going to bring that up right away. He just, he ran me over and like, yeah. as, as soon as that play was over, I'm just sitting there like crap. He's going to, he's going to you gotta teach the young bucks though. That's, that's really okay. important. Um, yeah, I know. But then a few plays later, he, he comes on and I'm in pass pro and he just runs through me. So, I mean, it's it's back and forth a lot and is not really a decisive winner most of the time. So, I mean, honestly, it's 50-50. So you guys have done that badger drill against each other, right? Is that what you yeah, yeah, that's what I was kind of hinting at is is it, it, we literally split it 50-50. He'll win one time, I'll win one time. It'll be. A coach, uh, a famous coach once said, he who, he who has his hands in tight wins the battle. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it's technique. I mean, when we're both, you know, similar strength and size, it's, it's really just getting hand placement and being at the right place at the right time. So. All right. I'll let you guys out on this one. Your goals for this year. Uh, is that personal or team? Personal or? and team. Um, yeah, you can start. Well, I mean, it's obviously just the team goals is it is one game, one game at a time, but with each game comes a new thing. Like, okay, you got to win. Like coach Chris always says, like, you got to win this game. You got to win these games to be able to play in this game. And you got to win that game in order to play in this game. So really it's a step-by-step process in the end goal, I think, but for everybody almost, or everybody is just, you know, win the national championship. That would be a surreal feeling. And um, like JJ Watt just told us, it makes, it really makes you immortal in a sense. Like you just leave a whole uh, legacy here and do something that's never been done before. Um, so that's just a team goal of mine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, like Leo said, it's, you know, first, first you got to win, um, you know, you got to win at least five games, go to a bowl game. Then you got to win the West. Then you got to win the big 10 Then you got to win the natty. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's really one step at a time. It truly is. Um, but it's a team effort. And we kind of have to have everyone, everyone buy in. And so that's what we're really working on uh, this year is getting closer as a team, everyone buying into the same goals, the same mindset. Um, and then, um, just, I guess, personal goals. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting as a fullback. I, I, it's, it's obviously a little tougher because not everyone uses fullback, but I just want to be, um, I just want to be talked about in the same conversation as Alec Engel. I want to be up there with the best running or the best fullbacks that's ever been through Wisconsin. Um, so that's my goal. And just to, you know, have the running backs, trust me that I'm going to make a hole for them and then to, or them to follow me up into it. So I really think it's all about, like for me personally, it's all about chasing, chasing perfection and just realizing we're all, we're all, all of us are far from perfection. So just even if we may not attain, may not attain perfection, just chasing it constantly, always keeping high standards for myself, rounding out my game as much as I can. Any weaknesses that I had last year, I want to like squash those and get closer and closer to be the best player that I can be. All right. Hey guys, certainly appreciate your time and uh, good luck this year. Thank all you. I appreciate right. it. You. It's good to talk to you. So, hey, we do appreciate the uh, the Chanel brothers jumping on. That was really fun for us to do. And those two guys, such huge, huge pieces to what Wisconsin's going to be doing this fall. And, um, you know, that is uh, going to do it for our spring recap. Though I do, Jesse, here on – it is April 30th as we're recording this, and, and I'm asking you for season predictions on uh, April 30th. Does Wisconsin win – the Big Ten West, are they back in the Big Ten championship game? Because I think expectations are at that level. Is that your expectation here at the end of April? 
Yes, it is. With the amount of talent that they have coming back, I think they should be back at that level. We saw a brief glimpse of it last season. Granted, it wasn't against top shelf Big Ten competition. They destroyed Illinois. They looked very good against the Michigan team, uh, despite the fact that the Badgers were down a lot of guys in the two deep. I think eight guys who were in the two deep the first week. But you just look top to bottom, and they've got the majority of the starters coming back on offense and defense. The question is whether they've got enough at running back because that's so, so important to what Wisconsin does. But I, I feel pretty confident that uh, this is a team that should compete for the West title and be back in the Big Ten championship, yes. And they need to hit the ground running because there is no warm-up game this year for them. There's no Illinois at the beginning of that schedule. This time it's going to be Penn State coming to Camp Randall Stadium. And the early season schedule, very, very difficult. They all They've got – Obviously, Penn State, Michigan, and Notre Dame all within roughly the first month of the season. A huge opportunity to jump out national stage with those early games and, and you know put your flag in the ground and say, we are back to Wisconsin. We're, the, last year was an anomaly. We're going to win the Big Ten West, and we are going to challenge with Ohio State for the Big Ten title like they had in 2017 and in 2019. But we'll see uh, – We'll see how that goes, Jesse. Uh, thank you for the spring. Uh, the camp is not going to be going away for the summer. Jesse will be. Jesse will be. Uh, he'll be joining me back when we get closer to fall camp and, and Big Ten Media Days, hopefully. Fingers crossed we get to go to Big Ten Media Days. But uh, over the next few months, going to be doing uh, interviews with recruits and uh, with some former players. Got some fun things lined up. But until then, Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. It's been fun. See you in the fall. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.